Okay. I normally make a set of notes for myself, but uh, I didn't and I forgot to hit save. So we're going to do this all from, uh, I'll, make, I'll make it up. I'll just totally make it up. So it doesn't flow as, uh, as um, nicely as usual because I'm trying to remember what I, uh, what I was supposed to say. Is there a fire here? Yeah. Oh, that's right. So let's smoke. Someone's having a good cigar. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, well. no. All right. That's more exciting than what I'm doing. We got, we got the Katoras burning over there. We got the, uh, the shear over here. We're going to oster Thanksgiving. It's better from here. Okay. It only gets better from that. Thanksgiving letters. The reason I wrote Thanksgiving is because you'll see where my tower of motion writes it. Thanksgiving letters. Okay. Today we have a special share in honor of the what will soon be perhaps a non-holiday of Thanksgiving. Who here is celebrating Thanksgiving? Let's see what I'm up against. Okay, fine. We're all we're all in this together. Well, we'll see. I don't really like turkey. Don't tell my grandmother that. Okay, so. So, we ready? Okay, so. There is a prohibition in the Torah. We cannot go and do the things that the non-Jews do. What does that exactly mean? Obviously, it doesn't mean you know, if a non-Jew wears glasses, we can't wear glasses. So there clearly are some sort of parameters and some sort of guidelines for what exactly would be an issue of us, quote-unquote, walking in the path of the non-Jews and us not. So this Shabbos we heard from Ari Mermelstein, he spoke about getting a tattoo. So interestingly enough, it seems that not only is there a prohibition to get a tattoo, there's also a second prohibition of one, getting a tattoo, you're now doing something that the non-Jews do and therefore you're over, you're, you're over to, it, to it once. Two for the price of one, which we sometimes we enjoy and sometimes we don't want. But there are other things that may fall under this prohibition as well. And the question is, what exactly are they? So the first thing we have to find is, what is a non-Jew? What are we talking when we say a non-Jew here? So this is, classically, there's a machlokas, when these sort of halakhas come up, what are we talking about? You have one position that takes out, it's like only the seven nations. The seven Zion Amin that live in Israel that have now been expelled and no longer exist. That's one shita. Everyone else, not a problem. You have a second shita that's only ovde kochavim, not those who worship idols. And then you get into kind of funny territory. Okay, so Muslims are not worship, don't worship idols. What about Christians? We mentioned this a few weeks ago, I believe. Maybe it was on Shabbos. You're in a very funny territory. Some say they do, some say they don't. Some say it depends on the denomination. Okay, fine. Lastly is the most expansive shita. This is the belief of the Tashbates. And he's like, no, anyone who's non-Jew, we cannot follow in their ways. And idea is that we are supposed to be separate. We have our own, we have our own unique system of operating. And when you start acting like them, so then you commit, might come to, again, if it's the idolatry, wor worship idols, or you, again, it leads you astray from the path of the Torah. The consensus among the post is we're talking about all non-Jews. And then the question becomes, so if we can't follow in the past non-Jew, so what exactly does that mean? What are we talking about? And that's where it gets a little tricky. So there becomes a three-way machlokas in the postgame. There are those, the Grav being among them, based off Tosfos. Tosfos says, there's a prohibition of Bichukosem and also Darke and Mori. What are, what's Darke and Mori? Darke and Mori is things that are Davr Shtus. 
things that there's no reason for them to do it, and they just do it. Comes along the garage with anything that has no reason. So the only reason you're doing it is because the non-Jews are doing it. One can make an argument for maybe perhaps a tie. A tie literally serves no purpose other than the covering over the stains on my shirt, which you don't see are there. There's no purpose to a tie. It's literally, I mean, a lot of fashion seems that way. It's kind of arbitrary. So one can make an argument, which you look at the, our Hasidish neighbors, that may be the path they're following, that if there's absolutely no reason to do something and everyone does it, that's the prohibition of Buchuk Hosehem, doing something that's foolish. Rav Henkin, who was the Gadol Hadar in America before Moshe Feinstein came here, he rejected that. He said, we don't pass in like this gra. We say a little differently. And if you look in the, I did put it in my Rekomas, but if the um, Shulchan Aruch is as follows. Ein holchen, this is Kufayin Tess. Ein holchen, b'chukos, avodikachavim. We don't go in the ways of the chokim. Chokah sounds more like a rule, which we're going to come back to, of the non-Jews. Lo yalbush, malbush, and yuchilahem. We don't wear special clothing that they wear. Not necessarily what the contemporary fashion is, but if there's a special clothes on them, we make a priest collar. The way we cut our hair. They have, again, the way they, they shave, etc. Very concrete things. And those, those are things that perhaps are more tended to be idol worship. And again, after this, we'll then jump into our actual Shiloh of the week of that Thanksgiving. Comes along the Abrahma, Elie, Mugdo Mehen You should dress differently than them, which again, that's something that we are all not doing, but the Hasidim seem to be doing. But the, his gather is things that they do be shame preaches for reasons of immorality. It's seen back then, and there are still groups in Kali Yisrael that may keep to this, but it seems back then, wearing red was a sign of immorality. They were trying to perhaps advertise something, and therefore there was prohibition to wear red. Uh, there was a rabbi, who will not be named, who once got up in a show and started lambasting all those who wear red. And then there was a woman sitting there whose face turned red. And Lachor, that rabbi, was over uh, you know, embarrassing someone in public, which is worse than someone maybe over this issue of wearing red. But that's just something to keep in mind. And then he says as follows. He's, and this is, this is a crucial point. Something they do is a custom or is a rule and there is no purpose to it. Because we need to have a concern that perhaps the reason, the genesis, the institution for something that they do that seemingly is arbitrary came from a place of dark how many things that they do? Let's take Halloween, for instance. Halloween seems, is like a, a random holiday, totally secular nowadays. But when you start probing the sources for it, again, it's kind of ridiculous. You put in a mask and go around asking for candy. But if you start looking into the histo hist history of it, you start finding, oh, wait, it's grounded in a Vodazar. And the concern one has to have when there is something that's totally arbitrary, something that's read a chok, he says, again, a minute or a chok, or what are the sources from it? You know, knock on wood. Well, you start looking into the history of that, Oh, wait, that comes from the, fact, the cross of Jesus and his mother. Allegedly, his mother, Jesus' mother, took the cross and cut it up and shipped out pieces around the world, and that was the source for this concept of knock on wood. When you start quoting random things you don't know the sources for, give me one second, so then you run into this territory of, well, maybe it's got Shemitz of what is our. Yes, Eitan? 
very, very controversial. It seems to be the consensus is not a bodhisattva. An article is a blo- there was an article written, and now they, right now it's not a bodhisattva. I know great rabbis who do it. And that also probably opens up a different possibility. What happens if something, we don't know where it came from, now everyone does it in Claudius Yisrael. One can make an argument, so the first people who did it, they were over Dark Amori, but everyone else, they're just doing what their friends do. Minig Yisrael. A very similar place comes up, and this is something that, in the concept of Begadisha, and, and, and Clay Gever, that we have, very de- we have defined clothes for men, defined clothes for women, and we don't cross-dress. But what happens when people start cross-dressing? After long enough, maybe something that was considered a, a woman's garment or a men's garment is now more universal. So, it that happens to be that there, there, there is also that, that, that aspect to it as well. Question? No, I was going to say, I mean, if, if one doesn't know the original intent, one doesn't know the computer or whatever. It's very hard to know when we move beyond that original intent, but it's clear that, that it's as ironic as it is, and also you have to ask, who is it going on, the Jews or the non-Jews? But okay, fine, we're not going to from there. And then he says as follows: And then there must is very important. Caveat is what about something that has no purpose, but we is, we give it a purpose. For instance, there's a doctor in the room. What do you wear? What color? You wear green or white or blue, whatever it may be. Doctors then wear white. What's the why? So everyone knows. Oh, he's a doctor. That's considered a purpose. The Grom might disagree. They're like, nah, it's still kind of arbitrary. There must be, that's considered a purpose. What emerges from all this, and then we can get to our Shiloh, is as follows. There's clearly a concept of Bifukosea. We, we don't follow in the ways of the non-Jews. Non-Jews accept the practices, all non-Jews. When we say that, we mean something that's a minhug or a chok, it's a, it's a law or a custom that seems to have no purpose, because if it has no purpose, in and of itself is not necessarily a problem, but if it has no purpose and we can trace it back, or we have a concern, it goes back to Avodah Zarah, then it's a problem. Look at the first source. The first source comes from the great rabbi, Rabbi George Washington, who was uh, a rabbi. He lived in the 1700s. He was the first uh, Nazi of America. Apparently he wrote a couple, a couple of Shalos uh, and Chuvos, not known to write any Svarim. The next Mechaber, the Thomas Jefferson, he wrote many, many Svarim. And they have the machlokas. They have a following machlokas. This is the first machlokas found in the literature about Thanksgiving. George Washington, or Harav George, he says, by proclamation in 1789, you should know the history of Thanksgiving. We have this rosy picture of exactly what happened. So when I started doing research into this, I found all these stories about what really happened. It wasn't that simple, and it didn't really become an American holiday, even after Abraham Lincoln proclaimed it a holiday until much later. But it wasn't exactly, it's kind of unclear what exactly happened during those first years of Thanksgiving and when it happened. But I'm not going to get into that. That's, that's for a different year. Probably not given by me. <laughs> Says the president, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God. Just keep in mind, think about it if a, a contemporary American president or government official would say such a thing. It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God. Think about how many rabbis, by the way, would say this. To obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have, by their joint committee, requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving. When was the last time both houses of Congress, both universally, suggested to the president to do something and it happened? A day of public, the people of the United States, a day of public thanksgiving and, and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful heart the many 
Seek no favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. All right, first thing we should notice is that he doesn't talk about the Puritans. This is just for your own historical knowledge. He's talking about the government being established, a day of Thanksgiving in general, when exactly is it? It's not necessarily the, the, the last Thursday in November. Now, therefore, I do recommend and sign Thursday, the 26th of November. So there it comes. Next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of the great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all that is, all the good that was, that is, or that will be. Again, how many rabbis would talk this way? It's interesting to see where the world has changed and how much the world has changed. That we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind mercies and the favorable position of his providence, which we experienced in the course of the conclusion of the late war, of the degree of tranquility, union, and plenty, that which we have since enjoyed for the peaceful and rational manner. I think if any rabbi gets up and starts talking about this, some like, oh, but don't you know that the sheet of the Rambam when it comes to Ashkacha Pratis, and we don't subscribe to that sort of divine providence? Who are you, you Haredi, to say that everything is divine providence? Well, I guess George Washington, he had them to pay us. just made it a voting tale. But just, I just, people should I recognize, I, I keep on coming back, because I know, recognize that the view of Ashkacha Pratis of, of, of George Washington may, uh, may be more than what we want to, we feel comfortable embracing, because of our own, I don't know what it is, 21st century insecurities about God, could be, I don't know. Okay. And then he says, For the great degree of tranquility, union, and plenty, which we have since enjoyed, for the peaceful and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted for the civil and religious liberty with, with which we are blessed and the means we have acquired, and diffusing useful knowledge in general for all the great and various favors which have been pleased to confer upon us. So George Washington is, A, this is clearly religious, right? There's no mention of what religion. This can literally be Judaism, it can be Islam, it can be Christianity. See, it's monotheistic, but it's clearly religious. And the question is, does that have any bearing? It happens to be that the next source, there's a big machlokas. Thomas Jefferson was like, with all due respect, George Washington, our country is predicated on the separation of church and state. Who are you? And you can see how Thomas Jefferson is reading this letter this way. He's like, who are you to come along and make a national day of Thanksgiving? The Pasnisht. You can't do that. It's, it's separation of church and states. And he lays out in a letter where he doesn't talk about Thanksgiving in general because he was asked to make a day of Thanksgiving and he refused. And he lays out in a letter which just became one of the basis for the separation of church and state argument. But leaving with you, this letter it was, written to a, a, it was written to a Baptist congregation who was kind of upset at him for not pushing Thanksgiving. Speaking of which, it's, life is complicated. Rabbis are complicated. So Thomas Jefferson did make a statewide Thanksgiving, but he wouldn't make a national Thanksgiving. There's a chap there. I'm not sure what it is. Believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, that he owes account to none other for his faith or his worship, that the legitimate powers of government reach actions only and not opinions. I contemplate with the sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people which declared that their legislators should make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall. This is, listen to this lawsuit. A wall of separation between church and state. So he basically, he's arguing and saying, I see Thanksgiving as being such a religious holiday that it is breaching this wall between separation of church and state, and therefore on a national level, I will not engage and I will not proclaim a day of Thanksgiving. 
I think it's important to recognize that A, this is the first machloikas we find out in the, in the uh, Rishonim uh, between uh, Thanksgiving. But more importantly, there seems to be, from the very beginning, a debate about, a debate about the, um, how much God is playing a role in this Thanksgiving. Let's fast forward 100 plus years. Ramosha Feinstein. So Ramosha Feinstein went to the first great condolence to be in America. Obviously, we mentioned Rapankin, and apparently Rapankin elsewhere talks about Thanksgiving. I could not find it for the life of me. I was searching and searching. I couldn't find it. Ramosha is really one of the first posts you know, came to America to deal with a lot of these American issues, and he, he's asked the following question. Notice again the premise of the question. The family says, can we make a birthday party or a bar mitzvah that's going to take place on Thanksgiving so it will look like a Thanksgiving party? He says, Wudover loss is source number one. Wudover loss is Eza Simcha Bimei Eida Shal Hanachim, Im Humitzad Emunosim, Im Bekavana Machmashu Yom Id Oster Medino. If you're making something on their holiday, it's Oster Medino. Bim Below Kavana Yesh Lasmitzad Maris Ayin. And if it's not with Kavana, then it's a Maris Ayin, meaning, it's not Thanksgiving here, let's, Christmas, 25th of December, you want to make a holiday? Says our motion, you want to make a party? Just because, why not? Everyone's off from work. Achichetz decides to have a party. Or Moshe's not a fan at all. The Sudas Mitzvah Kamila, what sometimes you're kind of stuck. The eighth day of a birth, you have to make a Sudas Mitzvah. Because then, obviously, you have to. They lost Mitzvah Marasai and Sudas Hamil Flavis. Because we're not going to Aser, because Marasai, Marasai is it looks like you're endorsing it. Well, that's not happening on a. Everyone knows why you're doing it on a Pidna Ben or a Mila. These are time bound as a Chiv to make it on the day which you make it. Or Moshe finds and says it's better to push off a bar mitzvah to the day after the holiday. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. What is that Thanksgiving? There's no need to make it usher. But a bal nefesh, someone who's punctilious in their observance, it's better to push off and not make it on Thanksgiving. This is what Ramosha writes in 1962. <laughs> Fast forward a few years, and his grandson asks him the question again. And it gets complicated. There are numerous tubas. This is in uh, 1981, I believe. In Mutter Lasso's Suda's Thanksgiving. Rab Moshe, can I make a Suda for Thanksgiving? Shuhu Yom America. Today of thanks for Nachman America. By the way, when I was in Yeshiva in Israel, we made a Thanksgiving meal and all the Brits and all the Canadians were like, what are you guys doing? They couldn't wrap their heads around it. He said, Thanksgiving, Moshe. He says, I wrote earlier on, many, you know, 25 years ago, to make an actual meal is Osir Medina. Okay, now we're in trouble. Skip forward. He gets, so the, his grandson follows up in a couple, this is 1980 again, a couple of months later. And he says as well there, he says, um, he says, Hine. He goes, but you know what? I'm thinking about it. If you open the religious books, you're not going to find a reference to Thanksgiving. No word. There's no Hilchus Thanksgiving. You're not going to go into your local uh, you know, non-Jewish, let's say, church 
pull out the Shulchan Aruch of Christian law, open it up, and says, no, Yesh Chiyav on the last Thursday of November, Lachel Suda, in Turkey, in cranberry sauce, but yeah, Turkey will eat cranberry sauce. You're just not going to find that. It's not, it's not, it's not a chok shalahem. It's not a law. It happens to be. It's an American tradition. It's not a religious thing. You're not going to find anyone writing Hilchasun at Thanksgiving. And you can imagine if there was. Imagine the crazy rush. You've got to finish before Shkia. Can you imagine that? And you have to have the whole turkey before Shkia. Or just the dark meat. I only like dark meat, by the way. The dark meat before Shkia. Like, it's going to be a disaster. And when can you cook it? It, it, it would, by the way, think about that. If you had to make the turkey air of Thanksgiving, you know how dry it would be? It'd be a disaster. We wouldn't be complaining about matzah. We'd be complaining about turkey and Thanksgiving. It just, it's just not a thing, and it, it wouldn't be a thing. And this is why we have to thank God for giving us holidays and not, you know. Okay, who chose the turkey? Sorry. It's okay sometimes. Is there a question the turkey? Yeah, we're not going to get into that. In my family, we, we have a two-day yomtev, and then Ishuchak. We have half the family comes Thanksgiving. The next half comes for bagels and locks the next day. So that's, that's the day of Yontif. Then it's Shabbos, because we live in Golis, obviously, so we need to have two days. And then Sunday's Yisruchag, we have all the leftovers. And then Monday, we're with stomach issues. So Ramayusha says, you're not going to find anywhere, you're not going to find anywhere that we write, this, this is a, a religious holiday. What do we remember? We're remembering, you know, the Puritans. He says, I don't find the problem to make a Suda. Because it's not really a secular holiday. If you want, eat your turkey. So to answer your question, there's a there's you know, Yaka Kamenetsky was against turkey. Eat your turkey. I add it. My psak only dark meat. They should only make dark meat turkeys. I don't know why they make both. Okay. <laughs> then, but then he adds on. Avo. And this is where the, this is the key point. There's a difference between saying, I'm going to do something because it's a nice tradition. Elsewhere, Moshe writes, I couldn't find it. You know, we're, we're thanking America, we're a Medina Shal Chesed, right? He writes about when it comes to voting. America is a Medina Shal Chesed, it's a, it's a nation of, of kindness. That's one thing. Another, another thing to say, you know what? This is a new law. We're all going to be sitting down on Thanksgiving and eating. If you don't, if you don't show up, like how can you do that? This is a law. It's, it's a, there's a difference between saying this is a, tradi- a tradition that's nice. And you know what? If you miss it one year, okay, you miss it. Which, by the way, if Hankin points out, maybe every couple of years you should miss it to show it's not actually halacha. It's just it's a nice thing you do. Versus saying, no, this is like Hilchas Thanksgiving. This is now a chok. We have to do this. And that differentiation, that distinction is the key point here. Because if you remember the Ramah wrote, also their laws. As long as it's a tradition, it's a nice thing we do. There are nice values behind it. There's nice meaning behind it. We should always take, I'll tell you, I had a Rebbe once. I said to him, why don't you celebrate Yom HaShoah? So he said to me, he's a Haredi guy. He said to me, because I can talk about the Holocaust any day I want. So I repeat, I said back to him, yeah, but you don't. Meaning that sometimes it takes us to take Set aside one night a year where we talk about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, where we talk about these sort of things so we remember these things. Mother's Day. Yes, every day is Mother's Day. But ultimately, we're not going to buy our mothers uh, uh, flowers. Every, I mean, I obviously do. But the rest of us aren't going to buy our mother flowers every single day. But when you set aside a time to think about it, it, it sets aside time to think, to recognize there are values behind Thanksgiving that we want to talk about, that we set aside a time to talk about. Look how lucky we are. 
with all of the problems that there are in America nowadays, with everything going on, how lucky a, we, the world is to have in America. Think about what the world was. And you, anyone who knows history knows that we are in a lucky place. And anyone who knows Jewish history knows with all the quote-unquote anti-Semitism, and I'm not minimizing it, it's nothing compared to what my great-grandmother experienced pre-war in Europe. Pre-war. She said to me once, she goes, you think it was nice before the war? She goes, it wasn't nice before the war. It's nothing with the opportunities we have. The fact that, if we think about the last administration, how many Jews were in it, in this administration, how many Jews were in it. The chief of staff is Jewish. The first man, the second man, second gentleman, is Jewish. Like, think about what we have in this country and the opportunities we have. And take a moment and reflect on that. Like, we don't always do that. And we're always, you know, we often get bogged down with all the issues. So perhaps don't make it a hoke, but make it, but make it a, uh, but make it a, a time to set aside to think about it and, and enjoy it. Yes, that's an extent. Dina Machosadina says more Hoshimish, but they have a right to make laws in terms of uh, taxes, safety. Doesn't extend to it. Doesn't extend to these sort of things, right? Especially if it was Machosayim. Meaning, they're, they're, obviously, no one thinks the secular law trumps halacha. It's more if halacha recognizes that there's. There is jurisdiction within which secular law can extend. Where that is, is it's complicated. They can mint coins, etc. What are we doing on time? I didn't bring my watch. Okay, fine. So we're going to skip the next source. Ramosha basically there says, he says, I realize I have a couple chuvas. One place I said Usr, one place I said Mutter. What's going on here? Kind of pushes his point. He then has a kind of funny point. He's like, you know what? Like, Thanksgiving, is it? I don't know why we're celebrating it. He's like, okay, because people survive. People survive things all the time. We don't celebrate those things. Because it's, it's nice they survive, but okay, he's, again, he's not, he's not the biggest fan of Thanksgiving. But that's her emotions. Her emotions not the biggest fan, but he's not, he's not going to offer it because, because ultimately it's not a chok. But if you make it a chok, you know, as Rav Henkin points out, you do it every single year, maybe there's what to, you know, point out. However, Rabbi Salavitchik disagreed. Right? Same time period, actually, he was a cousin. And this is brought down in, in Nefesh Arab. Nefesh Arab is Rav Herschel Schefter records a lot of conversations and different ideas that he heard from the Rav over time, and he says as follows. This is under Chukas Akum. Das Rabbeinu Haisa Shemutter L'Achla Basar Hodud, which is Turkey. Besov November Bayom Thanksgiving. Rabbi Salvejik thought it was Mutter to eat Turkey on Thanksgiving. Rabbeinu Shodatu Enyu Basar Hodud Bayash Sar Mesora. To Elliot's point, there was no issue with, there was no issue with Mesora. He says, so he heard the Rav said, it's not a problem to celebrate Thanksgiving. And he got this from his father, who also lived in America, and you can eat turkey. But it goes one step further. This Ray Broid brings down from a friend of his, Dr. Avi Feldman. Ready? In the English. While I do not know whether Rabbi Salvage got turkey for dinner, that night, or whether he called it a Thanksgiving dinner, it was well known that on the day that it, that is marked on the calendar of Thanksgiving, Rabbi Salvajic started Talmud classes earlier than usual in order to end earlier than usual and catch the plane back to Boston. Right? The Rav was lived in Boston, and he taught in New York a couple days a week and either took a train or a plane back. To have some sort of festive meal in the you can, you can, he probably talked about thanks. You know, in halacha, anytime we say divrei shir v'sheshbachos, we sing a little, we talk about Hashem a little, we give it to our Torah, we have an opportunity to turn what is a mundane meal into a sudas mitzvah. 
So maybe he, I'm sure he said it to our, to our Torah, or sang a little talk about thanking God. He, you give it a, a sense of, of Suda's mitzvah. In fact, next week's Hanukkah, and the Ramah talks about there's some sort of Indian to have a Suda on, on Hanukkah. What does that mean? So you have a meal, but you also talk about the miracles of Hashem that makes it a din of Suda's mitzvah. However, it is of interest to note that while Thanksgiving appeared to be of sufficient importance to change the fixed time for Talmud class, it was not sufficient to end class. If the if Rabbi Salvajic had not completed what he wanted to understand, as important as Thanksgiving was to him to start class earlier, he wouldn't end it. On Thanksgiving 1976, there was a famous Thanksgiving class where Rabbi Salvajic spent about five hours, most of it in silent thought. By the way, which is I think is unbelievable. The Rub would give shear every single year, and he'd pretend he was approaching the sugya, the, the, the text in front of him, as if he was viewing it for the very first time. It wasn't. Oh, it didn't always come out clear then. And he clearly got caught on some tosfos, and he just sat there like this for almost five hours. <laughs> and I guess the generation of 1976 did not have ADD. Because if I tried doing that for about five seconds here, I'd be hearing new and getting looks from various people who may be in this room right now. I'm not going to look it up right now. <laughs> Working through one of the medieval commentators. After the second or third time, the shamash the sexton passed him a note about the flight back to Boston where he lived. Rabbi Salvechik turned to him and said, knowing the Rav, when he was learning and you interrupted him, he was not a happy camper. He said, no one can leave here until we've understood what it is that Tosos is saying. No one can leave the room. And he probably said it quite angrily, knowing the stories of the Rav. That for the Rav, obviously, and it's a kind of obvious, Thanksgiving was important. And Thanksgiving was, as we spoke about a time to talk about values, to talk about, you know, the hashkaf of not only of America, but also us, our Jews, and the place we have in America. Time to talk about our own our own relationship with America and the, the role we play in broader society. You know, I spoke about the Shabbos, how sometimes we are at odds with society, but other times we're not. And I think we also don't talk about enough how we have an obligation to contribute to the society. But at the same time, for the Rav, he started here earlier and he had a plane back, but if Tosfos got in the way, nothing gets in the way of Tosfos. And he was giving a shear, and the way the Rav gave shear is he needed to understand it totally and completely, and if he was stuck. He was stuck, and he waited. And he missed his flight and probably missed his meal that year because value-wise, there are values. And we, the way we weigh things, as important as it is to talk about thank you, it's more important to do the regular shear, to finish mm -hmm. to finish shear. So I hope what we got out of this today was, A, a little understanding of the idea of Kukasakum, that we live in a world, and we live with non-Jews, and we learn from them, and we learn from the best of them, and we try to somewhat... Be, have these relationships with them, but also that there are things we don't learn from them. Maybe because they're sourced in idolatry or because they just make no sense and it's just a custom, so why adopt We have our own customs, which sometimes make no sense. Um, and at the same time, we are also living in a modern world where they have certain things like a Thanksgiving, which can give great value to our life. And how do we navigate that? For a Moshe, you navigate it by saying, you know, we're not going to make it. It's not a Jewish holiday. And we can't make it a holiday. But at the same time, we can celebrate and recognize if you want to, that there's what to do on that day. And the Rav is like, no, it's a day of Thanksgiving. There are values behind it. And you can, uh, you can talk, take it. Talk to your kids about it when you sit down. Talk to people around you how lucky we are to be in America. But at the same time, toast us, you know, the Gemara. And that's obviously those are values and our religion's always going to override what is a nice value, you know, for the law. All right, everyone have a wonderful, uh, wonderful week. A happy Thanksgiving. I hope you only get dark meat. I hope your turkey isn't dry. And we shall see you Wednesday night for part two of our shoot.